You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that encourages mindfulness, gratitude, and hopefully an occasional laugh. I'm Mark Reed, a former college professor and lawyer. Now I live in the countryside of Japan, make traditional Japanese paper, and try to make myself and the world a little better today than it was yesterday. I'm here twice a week, either with research and observations or talking with inspiring, artistic, and influential people. The idea is to bring some calm and kindness to the world and help you do the same. Hey, here we are. My guest today is Rob John Anderson. He ran in the last election for a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives to represent Louisiana's 3rd Congressional District. He ran as a Democrat against the incumbent Republican. That bid was unsuccessful, but it was more than an uphill battle, to say the least as Louisiana's third district is one of the most conservative in the country. Um, by one metric I saw, it ranked it as 36. That's out of the 435 congressional districts. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but Rob certainly has his own loyal constituency. Many of his 135,000 followers on Twitter affectionately refer to themselves as the Rob Mob. You can find out more about him and listen to his podcast, even buy some merch on uh, robanderson.live put that in the notes let me introduce rob this way though i would vote for rob anderson uh now this is generally not a political program though i've gone there a bit more recently but uh let me tell you why um he's real period and i've done my homework on this i've said on this program a while back that uh, i vote for individuals who are real real men and women that uh, put country before party and I gave examples on both sides of the aisle from the late John McCain and uh, John Kasich on the Republican side to as far left as Bernie Sanders. And the reason why um, is because those guys have been consistent in their message and in their convictions from the day they got involved in politics. Do I agree with all of their policies? Of course not. That's an impossibility when you're talking Bernie Sanders and John McCain, right? But I see voting as a chess match. Um, you're not getting in bed with a person or a party. Uh, just because you vote for them, uh, you're, you're not, it's going to be impossible to agree with every policy, right? Um, and I'm certainly not going to get in the bed with a, a particular political party that may have a hidden agenda. I vote for a genuine person, assuming they're not backing some crazy shit like QAnon. Uh, but I, I will, uh, I vote for the person who votes for their convictions and not what party leadership tells them to do. I believe Rob, Rob Anderson is that kind of person. I've been watching for months. Rob Anderson's real and the reason I would vote for him and ask him on the program. So with that endorsement, welcome to the program, Rob Anderson. Uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you for that incredibly gracious in intro. Um, and I think you captured it all. So this might be your shortest interview on record. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, it was beautifully said. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure you do research on all the people you interview. Um, but that leads me to believe that you've actually been paying attention for quite a while. Uh, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the canned response. And yes, I was <laughs> running and I ran twice, by the way, I ran in 2018 oh. as a literal nobody, uh, and then joined the democratic party that summer. As a matter of fact, I started as an independent, I'd been registered independent for 31 years. So politically you and I agree, I always vote for the candidate. Um, you know, you do see Louisiana as a realistic uh, opportunity for left-leaning uh, candidates? Absolutely, and I'll answer it by partially correcting. I see it as an opportunity 
for a political party that focuses on the working class, yes. Now, the Democrats used to be known for their pro-union stance, their working class stance. Biden tried to bring some of that back, I think, uh, kind of the, the blue collar. And that's where, you know, I came in. That's how I decided to run. It's like this is the regular working people, and Louisiana has a lot of them. It's not all oil. Oil isn't even the biggest industry in our state. It's just the one that happens to have paid off the most politicians. Um, healthcare is a huge industry down here. So you'd think they'd want universal healthcare because it would increase employment, not to mention everybody would have healthcare. But um, the oil companies it, it, are the ones. I don't mean to cut you off, but it, it just it baffles me how people, some people will vote against their own interests. Like they oh. will be poor and not being able to afford you know private health care and they'll vote republican i guess on a on an issue based on like because they're pro-life or something so they'll vote the republican ticket even though economically they're voting against their own self-interest it's crazy yeah um and the reason for that being people don't vote based on issues my issues are infrastructure is always my biggest one because infrastructure doesn't just mean roads it means literally investing back into ourselves. It means modernizing Wi-Fi so that during a pandemic, when kids can't go to school, these rural poor kids can still go to school virtually. Um, but that's infrastructure. And if you don't have that and you don't have a car and you have to walk five miles to grocery stores to get anything, uh, which some of my neighbors up where we actually live in De Quincey, that's what they have to do or bum a ride from a friend, you know, that kind of that kind of poverty level is not addressed by, you know, the tax cut they passed in 2018. The Republicans got control of the House, they passed a the tax cut. Well, that's great, and maybe their employers, you know, got a nice break, but those people themselves still don't have a car, still don't have a way to get to work. We don't have the infrastructure because we don't have mass transit. We're, we're, our mass transit is minimal in the United you States. Are, you are preaching to the choir. I mean, I uh, I grew up in Alabama. I'm, I'll say, there, you go, there you go. Yeah, and— um, um, but I now live in Japan and, um, you know, it's, uh, even, even in the rural part of Japan where I live now, I used to live in Tokyo, but I, I now live out in the Alabama of Japan. I, I live out in the, local, <laughs> the Southwest Louisiana of, uh, of Japan. I live in Yamaguchi, but even out here, you know, there's an infrastructure that's in place. I can take a bus to the train station and I can take the local train to get on the Shinkansen and I can be in Tokyo in a couple of hours, honestly. And yeah, without, your front without, door. Yep, without even driving a car, you know. Right, and, uh, and much of Europe is the same way. Right. I and had to. America spread. Yeah, America spread out, and I realized, you know, it's it's not as easy to just lay down Shinkansen tracks, bullet train tracks, you know, from Birmingham to New Orleans and Atlanta, and you know, connect everything. It, it's expensive project, but it's worth doing. <laughs> it's worth it. Ultimately, it's an investment in ourselves. Right. It is true that the, there should be a minimum standard of infrastructure around the country. Where we live is a third world country. Absolutely. The best parts of the United States, sure, it's first world. You know, they've got state of the art, this and that. You get down to the rural areas like you're saying, Alabama, Louisiana, parts of Mississippi, parts of central Florida. I've been there, too. You know, Texas, a lot of it. They are lagging 50 years behind. Yeah. And, and I. When I go back, excuse me, when I go back and talk to family and friends and, you know, I think that they think I am uh, exaggerating or it's hyperbole to say that parts of Alabama are akin to a third world country. Um, it's not an exaggeration. I have been to third world countries 
you know, I've been to, um, I'm not going to sit here and go off on the, the whole list of all the places I've been. I've been to uh, rural Indonesia and honestly, rural Alabama is not that much further ahead than places like I just described. And uh, it's shocking. I, I feel like it's also unnecessary. There's enough wealth in the United States that uh, it's, it's a shame. And, and as I was, uh, now, yeah, now that you got the, that first button pushed, uh, infrastructure, and then, of course, to me, healthcare is just human in infrastructure. It's, again, investing in your people. Uh, everybody talks about tax increases or ways to pay for it, and, and, and the root of it is we need to realize that we pay for healthcare care one way or the other. Democratic socialism needs to be taken back. It's like, you know, we, we like the Norwegian model. I don't care what you call it. You know, but invest in your people. Invest that everybody has out there. Come on. You know, I, if you I, invest I, the people and the quality of life goes up, happy workers are more productive. There's studies that show this. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I totally agree. And in fact, when I um when I have conversations like this with very conservative people, um who I I mean, some of whom I respect and value their opinion, but they when we start talking democratic socialism they like to bring up Venezuela or, you know, some examples like this of uh, failed. The uh, failed. Sure. Right. And then, so, of course, <laughs> and, and they, they cite that as if, well, that's the inevitable result. And then I, I want, I immediately counter, I'm sorry, what about Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark? What about where I live in Japan? I mean, it's not technically a democratic socialist country. It might as well be labeled. So I have health care. Everyone does. Sure. Right. Um, you know, uh, all the things you described before about infrastructure here is a completely successful model. But, um, but yeah, um, what I would answer to that question when they say, but what about Venezuela? They're pointing out examples of failed socialism, of right. course. Right. You always look at it. Well, you know, but what about, you know, something that didn't work? And then you could point out, well, what would you call failed capitalism? The United States. Apple's <laughs> model works great if you're in the top one percent. Believe me, their lives. I mean, they're happy as you know pigs wallowing in the barn or whatever I, country I, localism you want. But for the rest of us, we're barely surviving. My parents had a house, a car, a truck, a boat, and all on my dad's single salary. And there were three kids, and that was a middle class life on one salary. When we were raising our kids, if we didn't have my wife and I both didn't have a job at the same time. We were poor. We were straight up poverty level, barely getting by. Now, we we did get our kids into and through college. You know, we managed to do that, show them the grants and the loans. We aren't wealthy enough to pay for it. So we did our job as parents, but it wasn't easy. Never was easy. We had to work all along the way. There was no single income like the Eisenhower good old days that MAGA said, make America great again. Well, let's make unions great again, because that's what you're talking about. When the middle class, you could be a laborer, and be middle class. Now you're working class. You're if you break your leg, you're not working as a pipe fitter anymore. And then now what are you going to do? Now you're poor. Let's shift gears here. Let's go to January sixth, twenty twenty one. You know what happened? We all know what happened. And um, shortly after that, I uh, I had posted a an article I saw on NPR that was a survey that said forty percent Republicans. Um, uh, favored, or at least said that, um, let me get it right. I don't want to misquote it, but said that it may be necessary 
for political violence to occur. And uh, I, you know, I was alarmed at that survey and uh, I posted it on Facebook and some of my friends on the right were countered, uh, well, hey, the numbers are the same on the left. What about in the summer, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and the looting that went on? My question to you, is violence in the name of politics ever necessary? Well, for me to say no would be to disavow how the country was founded in the first place. There you go. Um, Excuse me. So um, living in the middle of Trump country, as I do, I have uh, heard firsthand um, all of the sides of this issue. Now, first and foremost, because I happen to be a citizen, citizen of the United States of America, of course, I am in favor of upholding its laws and protecting it from overthrow by those who are not duly elected. So therefore, I do believe it was an insurrection attempt, an attempt to assassinate the Vice President of the United States. Um, And they also sought out the Speaker of the House by name. So they're in the wrong and I hope they're all punished accordingly. And I'm glad that the backlash was so uniform that people didn't see it as a contentious uh, event, interpretations thereof. You either think it was, uh, even if you think it was mob violence gone wild, nevertheless, they still committed felonies against our own government. Well, let's, let's, uh, you bring up some good points. Let's talk about Donald Trump. And we are, uh, we are speaking now in the wake of CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, where there were still ridiculous claims of a fraudulent election. Despite yep. there being zero evidence of that, and yeah, 16, fact, it, it lost court cases as evidence of that. Right. In fact, Rob, if the election was fixed, why didn't they fix it for you too? I mean, you were on the same ballot, right? right. <laughs> I mean, why, why didn't they? Why didn't they fix the Senate? You know, too. Why did we have to wait for the Georgia runoff? You know, why just fix the presidential if you're going to fix it? Right. And, and it also goes that, along with those claims that Antifa was involved in the riot. It's like, yeah, we just won the election. Why would we be going to protest that? We won. We were at home yeah. sipping margaritas watching you idiots turn a protest into an insurrection. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that, that and, claim uh, laughable. But- well, and uh, apparently at CPAC, there was this uh, this like golden idol of Trump that yeah. attendees attendees were worshiping uh look Lindsay, like a movie cow from uh the kevin smith ten, ten, movie, the oh, cow. yeah yeah <laughs> um lindsey graham said after uh but look uh the nomination is his talking about trump if he wants it in 2024 i think it actually splits the republican party like ross pro did to, to papa bush in 92 uh, he, so here's my question for you and then i have a follow-up after uh, what what do you see happening with the Republicans, I mean, do you see them all, you know, putting their eggs back in the Trump basket? And oh, absolutely. That- <laughs> yeah, they have been so far, uh, at least publicly. Now, privately, behind the scenes, a lot of them say that they, you know, didn't like Trump, but went along because, on the face of it, they go where the power goes, and if, as long as Trump holds the power within the Republican fundraising, which he does, um, the people who rely on those Republican fundraising dollars are going to follow along with them. Never mind what they say in one-on-one interviews. Never mind what they say on C-SPAN or on MSNBC or on Fox or OAN. Doesn't matter what they say. It's what they do. If they don't vote against hardline Trump policies, which means opposing every Democratic bill, 
you know, all that stuff, they're still following Trump because he's still pulling the purse strings. And that much is obvious. And I wish people would have talk, stopped talking about like uh, the, these uh, elected officials have political ideologies. They don't. <laughs> they're on one team or another. They really do yeah. blow up the wind. Now, as you said at the beginning, there are some that are slightly different. They're still, you don't bite the hands that feeds you. And that's in the Democratic Party too. You don't publicly condemn your fellow Democrats if you're an elected person. Now, would you talk to them behind the scenes? Yeah, of course. Say, hey, dude, why'd you vote against the minimum wage bill last night, Joe Manchin? Republicans are more unified. They yeah, are absolutely in lock, lockstep and have been. So they follow that money machine, which right now is still Donald Trump. Well, uh, what about the Democrats? What do you see that they have? They now have control of the House. They got a one vote margin in the Senate with uh, the vice president being the uh, Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. And they have the executive. Uh, are we going to see a repeat of 92 to 94 where Newt Gingrich sweeps in with his contract with America in the midterms and just takes away that majority? They only have to, they didn't do much and uh, the Republicans come in and take it back. Are, are they going to do anything in these these two years that we got? The jury's still out on that one. <laughs> um, yes, they are going to get things done. There is going to be some pivotal game-changing legislation that does get passed in these next two years. Is it going to be enough to prevent that kind of Tea Party backlash, the new Gingrich backlash? Historically, midterms are tough on the party that yep. gets all the power. If you don't do the right moves, people are going to, there's always a backlash. Yep. Um, so it's too soon to tell is my answer, and that's not trying to escape out of it. My hope is that they can hang on, but the Senate is going to be tough. Will the House, will we hold the House? Yeah, I don't see Republicans getting control of the House anytime soon. People are sick of their shit. They're really tired of it on the local level, and by local, I mean congressional, you know. The Senate is very capricious. It really is. Yeah. Uh, if the Democrats pass the right bills, they legalize fucking cannabis, pardon me. If they legalize <laughs> exactly. cannabis nationwide, that's a game changer. Yeah. Uh, and Yes, people see it as trivial, but my approach has always been that we need to legalize cannabis, never mind the revenue, never mind anything, to reform the criminal justice system to address systemic racism. It's a root fix. It's right at the ground level. Three times as many black men as white men get locked up in Louisiana for cannabis. That's a straightforward figure when there's a three to one, two to one margin population the other way. Uh, we have a large black population in the South. 33% of Louisiana is black. Compared to some other states, it's a high number. Yet, right. it is still a minority, right? You know, there's two white men for every black man in Louisiana, and yet they're locked up three times as much. So it's actually like a six-to-one ratio. Right. Uh, and that gets fixed if you legalize cannabis. Then the, the local sheriff's departments have to do something else to earn their budgets. Sorry. Right. It's the 27 Louisiana parish sheriffs. That's who holds up legislation here in Louisiana on a state level. If you say, you know, 10th Amendment, let states, you know, uh, decide for themselves, which I agree with on, on most issues. However, federally, it should be descheduled as a scheduled one narcotic, automatically decriminalized across the board with amnesty for existing offenses. And that should happen tomorrow. The Democrats want to win the midterms, run on weed. It's a popular issue. 70% <laughs> of the country likes it. It's a yeah. done deal. And the people who don't like it don't have any good arguments. You know. Well, the thing is, I, like, I, 
I don't. Uh, well, the, here's the thing. I've dabbled my fair share. I don't actually care for it, but I also realize that alcohol is way more dangerous as a as a uh, recreational activity than cannabis ever is. And uh, I used I used to be a, a prosecutor in upstate New York, and I uh, I was an ADA, assistant district attorney up uh, in St. Lawrence County, New York, um, near the Canadian border, and I would get these cases where uh, some overzealous Barney Fives were just like jumping out of the bushes at the state park to nab some 18-year-old kid smoking a joint. Yeah. And that file would get on my, yeah. And that file, and I mean, you're talking this kid could lose his uh, financial aid and all this stuff. That file would wind up on my dad. The police, you know, I was an ADA, so I'm supposed to work with the police. And I did, but I was honest with them. Like, if you're going to, if you're putting victimless crime crimes quote crimes on my desk some kids smoking a joint in the park I, i'm telling you i'm i'm gonna find a way to let that kid out of it and let, <laughs> let him go and i did any kind of victimless crime i was the ada you wanted to get now if yeah, it's a victim victim based crime somebody beats up his wife then no i'm throwing the book at you, you know you're going to jail but uh but you know some kind some but that's the thing that goes back to what you're saying you're going to put in jail a kid smoking a joint in the park with a guy that beat the shit out of his wife that they're, they're having the same punishment. That's insane. The kid didn't really do anything wrong, you know, and now for them to get the same punishment is it makes no sense. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. And that's funny that uh, between you and I, we represent both parts of that equation. I was the 19 year old kid who was busted standing <laughs> on the beach smoking a joint uh, there's a lot of things that can be threatened by, as you said, a victimless crime. And we can fix that across the country overnight just by addressing that. So politically, that's why that's a slam dunk. But then again, I thought the minimum wage was a slam dunk, too. Me, so, too. That's insane. You know, $7 that, an hour? That's crazy. that's crazy. I think the problem is that it's it's an over-double jump. Is They failed to address it for so long that at this point it's obviously imperative. It's It's very much needed yet nobody can agree on what the increment should be. And, of course, the big push is to get it close to what would be a national median average of a living wage, $15 an hour, which might not fly in San Francisco, which already has a high minimum wage. Yeah. But, it, but it would be a lot, for example, right here in Lafayette, Louisiana. There's sure. probably a lot of professional people who barely make $15 an hour here. Nice. So when the minimum wage bill hits those kind of obstacles we didn't have co quite that supermajority you need to actually push through revolutionary <laughs> legislation the filibuster man i mean you because you right. gotta have 60 to uh you right. know to push to a vote and it's like you we can't find 10 republicans to just to stick their neck out and say like, nice. <laughs> crazy man well, so that's where we are. Uh, and I understand both sides. I understand why they voted down. I do. But however, it's like all you're doing is extending that 12 years since we've addressed it. And we're not looking out for our people. We're not investing in ourselves. Well, I'd vote for you, Rob. Thank you. Um, well, I'm not running for anything right now, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I saw I that there was. I am not officially running for anything right now. Oh, I was going to give you an opportunity to uh, announce on this show, man. That I was going to get the exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> I, every episode, I do a final segment called uh, Five Minutes Zen. And don't worry, you don't have to 
know anything or say anything about Zen or, or uh, religion. I just generally talk about uh, being in the present moment, mindful, grateful. Um, here's my question for you, Rob. How in these uber polarizing times do you stay calm? <laughs> how, do you, how do you maintain hope for democracy and humanity when a lot of the country are worshiping the golden idol of Donald Trump? That's actually a excellent and very a fairly unique question for a podcast. So kudos, kudos for that one. Um, <laughs> I, I have been asked it, but never on a never in an interview before. How do I stay calm? Is I am never and have never been afraid to say I don't know to a mm, question. Good. Some people don't want to admit a lack of knowledge. I know I know a lot of things. So if I don't know, I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel guilty about it. I was like, well, I don't know. Tell, teach me. I will learn that. I know I have the capability to learn that. So that's always instilled a, a sort of sense of calm is that I'm never worried about appearing ignorant. If I'm ignorant, I'd like to correct it. But it's not a negative to me. It's like, oh, good. Here's something else I don't know. It's one thing for me to be a repository of information. Great. Lovely. That's good for you. But if you don't share it, then you're just like, you know, you're a Google library. It doesn't matter if you don't apply that knowledge to like, hey, I know how we can actually beat Republicans down here. Mm. Show up and vote. Louisiana <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, is a non-voting state. If you look at the numbers, everybody says, you know, they switched here and back to Democrat after Clinton and blah, blah, blah. You know, all these metrics the parties really focus on. And it's like, well, no, no, no. Look at there's 50 percent of the population that's overvoting and just doesn't vote ever. 50 percent. Mm. You want to change elections, get those people to vote. Don't try to convince the people who've already chosen sides. Right, you know, right. Call, their, their daddy was a Republican, and some woman took the time to find my number, call me, and told me that if her daddy was still alive, he'd come after me with a shotgun. <laughs> I, swear, yeah. I swear this actually happened. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you for calling, man. Um, and I still don't know how she got my, my phone number, but, you know, <laughs> at any rate, um, so How yeah, stay calm. Got, yeah, <laughs> when you got that, when you got death threats going on, uh, there was only two. Uh, well, <laughs> it is Louisiana. Everybody's armed. All my neighbors right. are. So how do I stay calm? Is knowing that there are answers to most of these questions, and it just requires us doing it and not getting frustrated when some of us fall behind and don't learn the lesson yet. And you know, it's I understand you're going to learn. Come along. Stop voting for those idiots. All they want is to keep the oil and gas revenue flowing. That's all they care about. That's all they get paid to do. They're not maybe individually bad people, maybe, but nevertheless, they are on a payroll already. That's their job is to make sure the oil and gas flows. So, of course, they're going to be against anything else. So when you were talking about identity politics down here, that's why they tout Bible, guns, God, country. You know, they stick with the church and Second Amendment's all identity. It's like we're on your side. We want... The Constitution, we want, you know, pro-life. We want guns. They're evil because they want to change things. They're Democrats. They're communists. They're libtards. Fighting that messaging on the ground. That keeps me calm because I know people learn. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I hope that was something. sufficient. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Uh, learn something, people. <laughs> and admit when you don't know. I think that was a good part of the answer as well. Um yeah, no, that's that very zen. Admit when you don't know <laughs> and uh, and then go learn. Uh, awesome. Well, um, Rob Anderson, what uh, what do you have going on these days? Where can people find you? I mentioned robanderson.live. 
the majority is uh, through robanderson.live. We formed an LLC. Uh, we didn't get into politics and dirty money, which is good because that's my other pet cause. But in general, um, I won't talk bad about any nonprofits, but I don't get involved except with certain few that I know personally. We have a company that's just a regular old LLC that's a production company and everything goes through there. Therefore, we're not we are cleaner than the dogs behind or whatever the Southern expression. <laughs> Robanderson.live is the funnel for all that. That's our website. We have a shop, you know, people can buy Rob Mob t-shirts or slogan t-shirts. All that goes to the company and helps the, you know, our big voter suppression. You know, the Republicans got their asses kicked on mail-in balloting. So they don't like it when people show up right. to vote. They'd rather they didn't vote. So that's I mean, what, what we're I, doing. What would I do? I, I'm still a citizen of the United States. I live in Japan. You know, I didn't renounce my citizenship. I'm not a citizen of Japan. I'm a resident in Japan. You know, so, so I'm I mail in my ballot. Right? Are they yeah. going to take that away from me? <laughs> and that's crazy. what they're trying to do. They attacked the they attacked the U.S. mail to try to throw this election, and we're still dealing with the repercussions of that. I hope DeJoy goes to prison. <laughs> Well, there you go. That, uh, that that will wrap it up right there. Um, uh, Did I make myself clear on that one? I thought I was pretty clear. I was crystal. Clear. That's uh, that's there's my exclusive. I was looking for. Um, there you go. Uh, if you like the show, Zen Sandwich now has a Patreon page. Patreon.com/slash/Zen Sandwich. I, I, I my intention is to be listener supported and instead of running ads. Uh, three different tiers. So for as little as a cup of coffee, three bucks, you can help out Zen Sandwich. If you can't afford it, no worries. I, I want you to still enjoy the show. I'm going to still keep putting them out. Uh, if you do sign up between now and March 31st, there is a promotion. Um, my wife and I, we make uh, Japanese paper. It's uh, washi. Uh, we make it by hand. I mean, we, we harvest the trees. We uh, uh, steam the bark. And I mean, <laughs> from start to finish, we make it. We make stationery and all this stuff. And we make postcards. So I will send you wherever you are in the world. I will send you a, a handmade personalized postcard from me in Japan to you. If you sign up any tier level on Patreon between now and March 31st. So um, there you go. I'm going to get one just so that I, there you go. <laughs> I get one of those handmade postcards. Absolutely. Yeah, there. I got another page. It was worth it for that right there. There you go. Uh, well, Rob Anderson, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a blast. You're awesome. It was uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to this coming out, and uh, we'll shout it out. Just keep trying to make the world better. That's, that's what we're all about, just trying to make the world better. What we try to do here, too. Awesome.